1: a warm and friendly low welcome to lovey las vegas for the baseball betting podcast myself craig peterson you've got a great podcast for you Is in the second segment going to be taking a look at today's betting board with Jason Radowitz, trying to pick some winners for you. Also, just talk about the strangeness of betting on baseball these last few weeks of the regular season, because you've got a lot of pitchers that they only wind up throwing like three or so innings, especially with these younger guys on these teams out of the playoff race, and then they wind up getting pulled. So, we're going to be talking about navigating those landmines along with the games for today in the final segment. Going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Thursday and a little something like Call Touch Mall. And as per usual, in the first segment, gonna be looking at everything that we wound up seeing on Wednesday. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast? You've got one of two ways we will find these in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore81. Keep in mind, letters see them, they mean does not matter. So, as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today. And just a heads up, if this winds up being uploaded at 1 a.m. Pacific instead of midnight tomorrow, that is because I'm going to be in the great state of Minnesota. One of my best friends getting married out there this weekend, so we're going to have some fun there. So this podcast is going to be in its third different state in eight days. So we have some fun there. And speaking of Minnesota, we wound up seeing the Twins in action yesterday, and it didn't wind up going well for them and many others. So let's take a look back at that. Try to find some trends and try to get to you know these teams a little bit better. Games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. Not often they lead off with a Minnesota Twins game, but why the heck not as they wound up getting crushed by the Cleveland Indians by a count of 12-3 to 3 as Cal Quantrill continues to pitch really well for this team. He did give up three runs in his six and two-thirds innings, but that's because you wound up having Bobby Bradley drop a foul ball, and that was an error, so all three of these runs were unearned. From there, Brian Shaw gives you one and a third innings out of the bullpen. Squirrels and Blake Parker, a squirrel inning, going deep for the Minnesota Twins in this one. Miguel Luceno, don't you know, he was able to get his 28th home run season, and for Griffin Jacks, he's looking like one of the most fateful pitchers in baseball right now. The team has out lost four out of his last five starts as he got crushed, giving up five runs, three, which were earned in four and two-thirds innings. From there, Andrew Albers gives up a pair of homers, three runs in total in two and two-thirds innings, and then you wind up having five outs out of the bullpen, four runs given up by Giovanni Moran, and going deep for the Cleveland Indians in this one, Mr. Fran Mill Reyes, his 29th home run season, Bobby Bradley redeemed himself with his 13th home run season, and Oscar Mercado was able to give you his fifth. How about the Colorado Rockies, ladies and gentlemen? They started out 6-33 and on the road in their first 39 games. Not a lot of people are talking about them because they are well outside of the postseason race, but... With that said, they're now 17-17 and 17 in their last 34 road games. They take it to the Atlanta Braves, 3-2 to in 10 innings. A good start out of Antonio Sensatella. Giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Daniel Bard, Lucas Gilbreth, combined for a scoreless inning, and then Tyler Kinley, Carlos Estevez, Robert Stevenson. I'll give you a scoreless inning for the Rockies. They go just one of six with men in scoring position, but they did just enough to be able to get to the bullpen as Uscari You know what? He got eight strikeouts in four or two-thirds innings, but wound up giving up two runs. Jacob Webb gives you an out on the bullpen, and then Jesse Chavez, Tyler other meds like Luke Jackson, Will Smith. I'll give you a scoreless inning before AJ Minter gives up the under and run that starts on second in the tenth inning. And for Eddie Rosario, was able to get his 11th home run the season. But the Rockies all of a sudden are surging, as I believe that they have now won five out of their last six road games. So give them some credit. This National League wild Card race, by the way, is looking a bit unsightly as you had the Philadelphia Phillies survive in advance against the Chicago Cubs by God, a count of 6 out of 5. For the Cubbies, you were able to get a trio of home runs. Frank Swindell with his 8th home run in the last two and a half and weeks, his 13th home run season. Matt Delphi is 4th, and Robinson Chirino is 5th. Problem was Alec Mills wound up giving up 4 runs in 4 and 2 thirds innings, and he gave up a bomb of his own. Freddie Galvis took him deep for his 13th home run season, and then G.T. Rimuto went deep off of Cody Hoyer, who, coming into this one ever since being traded away from the White Sox, a sub-2-5 ERA. He gives up that solo run in his inning, and then it was a walk-off winner as Trevor McGill winds up giving up the game-winning hit in the ninth inning, as he wound up going two-thirds of an inning. Ed Bear Alzelay, though, two scoreless innings, and Scott Efrost was able to give you an out of the bullpen and for the Philadelphia Phillies. Ranger Suarez, another good start for the team. He's given up more than two earned runs just once this year, I believe. He gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Hector Neris was able to give you a scoreless inning, but Jose Alvarado wanted giving up one of those home runs, two runs in total in a third of an inning. Archie Bradley gave you a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then Ian Kennedy. He wanted giving up a home run in the ninth inning that caused the Phillies to go to the bottom of the ninth. He's gotten north of a five ERA since getting traded from the Texas Rangers, but Phillies were able to do enough to be able to get the job done. The Reds were not able to do enough to be able to get the job done. They lose to the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of five to four, as Wilmer Defoe was able to score the winning run in the ninth inning, as it was I believe an RBI ground out. As for the Cincinnati Reds, Vladimir Gutierrez did not give you the start that you wanted, so this one wasn't necessary. On the bullpen, gives up four runs over the course of three and two thirds innings. Bullpen wound up giving up that walk off run in the ninth inning as Michael Givens gives up that one run in two thirds of an inning, but. Tony Santin, two scoreless settings. Michael Lorenz and Lucas Sims both give you a scoreless setting. And Justin Wilson and out of the bullpen. So they did fine. Kyle Farmer, he was able to get his 14th home run of the season. That comes off of Sam Howard as you wound up having Mitch Keller give you a pretty solid start. Giving up two runs over the course of five innings. Howard gives up that home run, a solo home run over the course of his inning. over and Chad Gould gives up a run in an inning. But Anthony Banda, Chris Strain, they both give you a scoreless inning For the Miami Marlins, they've been playing a lot of low scoring games this year. This was not one of them. They take it to the Washington Nationals by kind of 8-6. to six is <laughs> Both Rodgers want him not necessarily being too long for this game. Josh Rogers winds up going five innings. He doesn't give up any runs and Trevor Rodgers on the other side for the Miami Marlins gives up one run over the course of four innings. So Rogers squared did their parts and then the bullpens lit this game on fire as you wind up having Mr. Alberto Baladano give up two runs in an inning including Homer. Sam Clay gives you one out and he gives up a run out of the bullpen. Mason Thompson, pair of outs out of the bullpen without giving up a run. Wander, I swear oh, this guy sucks, gives up all home run in his two-thirds of an inning, and Kyle Finnegan gives up four runs while getting four outs, and for the Washington Nationals, they wind up getting a home run of their own. Josh Bell is 27th home run of the season. That winds up coming off of Paul Campbell who winds up giving up a run in an inning, but it winds up getting the win, Stephen O'Curt and Zach Pop combined to give up two runs in their inning of work. Richard Blyer gives you a scoreless ending, but then Anthony Bass is taking hook, line, and sinker, gives up two unearned runs in two-thirds of an inning. Anthony Bender gives you an out-out of the bullpen, and Dylan Floro winds up getting his 12th save of the season with a scoreless inning in for the Miami Marlins. How about Easter Sanchez? Fair of home runs. is 11th and 12th of the season, and Brian Day La Cruz, his 5th, and for Mr. Sanchez, he has all of a sudden been able to catch a little bit of fire for the team. You take a look at him <laughs> over the last three days. He now has 9 home runs, so give him a little bit of credit. Give some credit to the Detroit Tigers as well. This team has a winning record ever since the All-Star break. 4-1. to one. They wind up completing the two-game sweep of the Milwaukee Brewers as Brandon Woodruff. Not necessarily a great start. Gives up three runs over the course of six innings. Jake Cousins gives up a run in an inning out of the bullpen and then Daniel Norris and John Del Gustave wind up combining for a scoreless inning and for the Milwaukee Brewers. Just nothing doing on offense as this was a very good start from Matt Manning who winds up giving up a one run over the course of six innings. Probably his best start as as an MLB pitcher, as Michael Fulmer gives you a two-inning save, and Alex Lang was able to give you a scoreless setting out of the bullpen, as well as Justin Garneau was able to get a home run in this one for the Detroit Tigers, his fourth home run of the campaign. The Toronto Blue Jays are now winners of nine out of their last 11 games. They wind up digging down the Tampa Bay Rays by kind of 6-3. to three. For the Rays, they trotted out their Michael Waka, and we use our dying Pac-Man voice to describe his start. Waka, 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 Gives up six runs over the course of six innings, including a over Great D for the Toronto Blue Jays. Boba Shit. His twenty fifth home run season is Robbie Ray. He continues to be in contention for the AL Cy Young Award. 13 strikeouts, gives up one run over the course of seven innings, now giving up three runs or fewer in each out of his last 17 starts. With regards to earned runs, Joaquin Soria did give up two runs in an inning out of the bullpen, and Jordan Romano, a scoreless inning. It's going deep for the Tampa Bay Rays in this one. Mike Zanino, 30th home run season, and Brett Phillips was able to get his 12th. The Boston Red Sox and the Seattle Mariners played what was a calamity, if you wound up having the under. Hey, I gave out the under in the New York Post. Nine to four, of the final. This game was three to three after three innings. No more scoring until the tenth inning, and then the Boston Red Sox put up a touchdown minus C extra point in the tenth inning. So that was brutal. If you wound up having that, much like I did, Hunter Renfro wound up having home run in this one. His twenty eighth home run season, and for the Red Sox, they go seven to fourteen with men in scoring position. And I believe that the Mariners have now played something ridiculous. Like each out of their last twelve games, of the over. Last time they wound up playing an under was September first, and it's all was looking good and then it went to extra innings and then, well, everything goes out the window from there as Sander Houck wound up giving up three runs in four and a third innings for the Boston Red Sox and then from there, Red Sox bullpen did a good job. Lawson Davis, Josh Shaler both give you two-thirds of an inning, scoreless Garrett Richards two scoreless innings, Adam Montavino and Martin Perez winds up coming out of the bullpen he gives up that unearned run in the 10th inning and for the Seattle Mariners not a lot of power in this one as they go one of nine with men in scoring position as Marco Gonzalez was able to settle down giving up just three runs over the course of his six innings, Paul Sewell, Casey Sadler combined for two scoreless innings. Diego Cascio gives you a scoreless inning. And then you have Johan Ramirez, who has to come in for the final two outs of that 10th inning. As Eric Swanson gives up four runs, three, which were earned in the 10th, and didn't get it out. And is that good? And then Justice Sheffield, why he's coming out of the bullpen, I don't know. He gives up two runs in a third of an inning himself. So... That was a calamity for my New York Post play. If you wound up taking the Yankees on the run line, this was a calamity. 4-3 to three, the final. They wind up coming back after the Baltimore Orioles were able to mount a rally to be able to take the lead, but they were able to get the job done thanks to a Gio Urshela home run off of John Means earlier in the game. His 12th home run season, Nestor Cortez, a very good start. 11 strikeouts, gives up one run. That one run was a solo home run going deep for the Baltimore Orioles. Austin awesome is kid. his 19th home run season, he would get his 20th a little bit later off of Chad Green, as Green gives up two runs and one and a third innings. Wandi Peralta, though, gives you an out of the bullpen, and then Aroldis Chapman was able to give you a scoreless inning. And for the Baltimore Orioles, John Means meant business giving up two runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings, but then it was Mr. Wells who wanted up giving it up. Tyler Wells winds up giving up two runs in a third of an inning. Dante was able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. counter Green, Cole Sulzer, they combined for seven outs not giving up a run, so the Yankees Wasn't pretty, didn't cover the run line, but they were able to get it done. The St. Louis Cardinals just absolutely dismantled the New York Mets in their series in New York as the Cardinals have now all of a sudden won five straight games, 11-4 in the final. The roach that just will not die in the National League playoff picture gets it done again as they had five runs in the first inning as Paul Goldschmidt continues to be on fire. 26th home run season. Nolan Arenado 32nd home run season. Umando Sosa, 6th home run season. Harrison Bader is 12th. John Lester, looking like a new pitcher. Two earned runs or fewer are now five out of his last six games. He did give up three total runs, but only two of which were earned over the course of his six innings. He take it deep twice, going deep for the best speed Alonso 33rd home run of the season. Kevin Pillar is 15th, but then from there, Andrew Miller gives up a run without getting a single out out of the bullpen, but TJ McFarlane, two Squirrel settings, Justin Miller, a Squirrel setting. And for the Mets, Tyler McGill would like to have his start back. He gives up six runs over the course of three innings. Miguel Castro comes out of the bullpen for two scoreless innings. Trevor May, Brad Ann, they both give you a scoreless setting, but then Seth Lugo gives up two of those home runs in his ending of work. Heath Embry gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning, and Jake Reed gave you an out of the bullpen, and that's pretty much a nail in the coffin for the Mets season. Meanwhile, here are the St. Louis Cardinals, still in contention for the postseason. The Oakland A's are trying to stay in contention for the postseason, and they put up a 12 spot on the Kansas City Royals, 12-10 to 10 in the final for Carlos Hernandez. He was a little bit of a surprise starter. He probably shouldn't have messed with his flow because the team had won 8 out of his last 9 appearances overall. He winds up giving up 7 runs over the course of 4 innings, including a homer. From there, Tyler Zuber gives up a run in a third of an inning. Greg Holland, 1 and 2 thirds innings scoreless. He wind up getting a pair of innings out of Scott Blewett out of the bullpen. He did not wind up blowing it. You wind up then though having Kyle Zimmer give up 4 runs, 3 of which were earned in the course of a third of an inning. And Gabe... Spear winds up giving you two outs out of the bullpen for the Kansas City Royals. Salvador Perez really wants that home run title. Now, 110 RBI that leads the league He gets his 44th home run of the campaign. That comes off of Sean Manaya, and Manaya gives up five runs over the course of five innings, and... The bullpen of the Oakland A's has been the second worst in baseball over the last three days with a nearly five seven five ERA. Lou gives up one run in two innings. Jake Diekman gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning. And Andrew Chafin goes one in a third innings, giving up a run. But fortunately for them, Matt Olson was there to be able to help the team out. He know, is north of 100 RBI and got his 35th home run season. So the Oakland A's offense was able to power them to victory. The LA Angels try to junk out there to the mound and one 3-2 the finals. Jansen Junk at not so bad start. Giving up one run in four and a third innings. That one run was the solo home run. Going deep for the White Sox. Juan Moncada was able to get his 12th home run in the campaign, but for the Angels, bullpen did their part. You wind up having Jimmy goat give up a run in an inning, but Jose Guijada, pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Mike Myers, Steve check, Rossi Iglesias. I'll give you a scoreless inning, and for Iglesias, 32nd save of the season, and Brandon Marsh had the big hit for the Angels in this one. His second home run season, Joy Otani, 0 for 5, by the way. He's hitting below the Mendoza line over the last 40 days for the same but for Kopech, gives up that solo run over the course of his two innings. He takes the L Dallas who has been a hot mess for the White Sox. So i give it up at least two runs in each out of his last nine starts, but this wasn't bad, giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Garrett Crochet, a scoreless inning, but not a lot doing for a White Sox team that since the All-Star break, certainly has been up and down. Interesting for the Rangers to say the least. They've been scoring the fewest runs per game ever since the All-Star break though. Offense has been able to get online, that was until last night in which the Astros took him down by a count of seven two. Jose otakiti very good start, giving up one run over the course of six innings. Ryan Santa, Kendall Graven, both give you a scoreless inning, and then Josh James was able to come in for a night Did wind up giving up a run in the process, but for this bunch, whenever Jose Yurikiti takes them out, they've actually been very good recently. Now 10-3 and three in his last 13 starts are the Houston Astros, and for the Astros, a trio of home runs. You wind up having Mr. Jake Myers get his fifth home run season, Kyle Tucker his 26th home run season, and Marwan Gonzalez gets his fourth home run of the campaign as Koji Iohara. Got touched up again. This guy probably should not be on a major league mound at this point. He gives up six runs over the course of four innings, and the team has not necessarily been doing a great job in his starts, to say the least. And then from there, you've got Dennis Santana, who was able to give the team a scoreless ending. Spencer Penn was also able to lend a scoreless inning along Drew Anderson. And then Dane Gitter Dunning. Why he's coming out of the bullpen, I have no idea. He gives up one run over the course of two innings, throw Iohar in the bullpen, and let Dane Dunning start. This team has no idea what they're doing. But what else they have no idea what they're doing on? Runners in scoring position. They went 0 of 7 with that regard as well, so you've got that going on. What else you've got going on is an Arizona Diamondback team that continues to look very sad and pathetic. They wind up losing by a count of five to three to the LA Dodgers. For Merrill Kelly, it was his first start in quite a while, actually. 35 days. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of four and two thirds innings, and he had actually been a hot pitcher. I still remember when the Diamondbacks were in their very, very bad losing streak. There was a string in which the team had won six out of his nine starts, but that said, no magic in this one, as he does wind up giving up a homer to Max Muncy, his 34th homer on the season. From there, Sean Poppin gives up a run in a third of an inning, but the bullpen was actually able to do a solid job. Joe Banat Tipley, along with Brandon Sittinger, wind up combining for a scoreless inning. Taylor Widener, Noah Ramirez, both give you a scoreless setting, and Christian Walker was able to get his eighth home run season. That comes off of Phil Bickford, as Bickford winds up giving up that home run in his ending of work, but this is a Dodgers bullpen that ranks in the top three. With regards to ERA, Alex and Joe Kelly, goodbye for a scoreless setting. Blake Tryon, Kenley Jansen, both give you a scoreless setting, and Julio Arias now leads the league with his 18th win. He winds up giving up one run over the course of his Five innings, so he was able to do a really rock-solid job, and if you're taking a look at the Dodgers, the last time they wound up losing a Julio Arias start, you have to go all the way back to July 27, so they have now won each out of his last eight, so that's been pretty good, and the San Diego Padres wind up finally winning a baseball game. They take down the San Francisco Giants. They had lost twenty-one out of their last twenty-nine going into this one as the Padres were able to get a good start out of Joe Musgrove. Does give up a pair of homers, three runs in total over the course of six innings, and this is a Giants team that they were able to get quite a few home runs. Chris Bryant, along with Brandon Belt, were both able to get their twenty-fifth home run season for Bryant winds up coming off of Joe Musgrove. For Belt, he winds up going deep off of Craig Salmon as Salmon wound up giving up a pair of home runs himself over the course of his two innings. Also taking him deep, you wind up having Steven Dugger get his eighth home run season and Thario Estrada wound up taking Musgrove Grove deep for his seventh but it's a bullpen game for the Giants and the bullpen just wound up having a lot of guys give up two runs. Jarlon Garcia gives up two runs over the course of one and a third inning. Dominique Leone gets one out, gives up two runs in the process. Zach Liddell gives up a run in a third of an inning. You wind up getting two scoreless innings out of Jay Jackson. Kervin Castro was able to give you a scoreless inning as well but it was a Kitana. He gives up two runs, including homer, in his two innings. And Jose Alvarez gives up two runs in his two innings. Going deep for the San Diego Padres, Mr. Drixen Profar, his fourth home run season. Then you wind up having Emilio Pagan give you an ending out of the bullpen, giving up nothing, and Mark Melanson was able to close things out with So, If you're looking at what we've all noticed in baseball over the last 30 days, if you're looking at what we're all noticing overall for the season, unders have a little bit of a lead on overs. If you're looking just in the last 30 days, it has been a massive underfest. 198 unders, 174 overs, so nearly 53.4% of games have been going under the total. According to covers, favorites in this time span, 230 and 167, so ending at a rate of about 58%. Home teams in this time span. 202 and 200. So, nearly 50-50 there. If you're looking over the last seven days, home teams have a losing record of 45 and 47. Favorites in this time span hitting just below 56% at 51 and 41. And overs have actually done really well recently. 48 overs and 34 under. So, last seven days, it's been coming back a little bit for overs. But if you're looking for the season, you've got 1,040 unders and 1,029 overs, so a slight lean to the under at 50.3%. Favorites in the entirety of the season, 1,278 and 877. And home teams, 1,176 and 1,000 for a rate of about 54%. So that's what we wound up seeing in Major League Baseball on Wednesday, and that's what we're seeing from a trend standpoint. Now let's dive into how in the world to bet some of these late baseball games here in the regular season because we do notice some Oddities and just what we're all noticing on the betting board for the Thursday, Jason Rydowitz of Covers, along with SPR aka Sportsbook Review, is going to be joining me to break that down next, right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast with myself, Greg Peterson.
0: Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime
1: Network Hotline. We'll Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Always great to be joined by this guy says he does horrific work over there at SPRAK Sportsbook Review. You're able to catch him Monday through Friday during the afternoon slash early evening time, giving out his picks for the day in baseball. Also does some work with the game day MLB, odd checker. And now he's with covers for the football season, doing a little bit of NFL, college football, along with betting pros NFL as well. So, This is a man that does quite a bit of work, as it is Jason Radowitz joining me on the podcast, and to be able to follow him on Twitter, that is at his name, Jason underscore Radowitz on the Twitter handle, and last name is spelled R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z, and Jason, always great to have you aboard, thank
2: you. Of course, I appreciate you having me. The MLB season is almost finished, and we'll get to the postseason, which is also lots of fun, but... Definitely a lot harder to cap, but going down the stretch here and trying just to get a couple more winners before the season is over. Yep, it certainly
1: is a little bit more difficult when it comes to this time of year. And what do you think is the most difficult part of this time of year to be able to handicap? Because I do feel like a lot of times it is just a little bit of uncertainty with these pitchers because we've seen it with some of these younger teams, the Detroit Tigers especially, in which whenever someone like a Casey Mize, Tariq Scuba wind up going to the mound, Typically, they're only going to go about three to four innings. You can tell that there's a strict pitch count on them. I do think that that makes things a little bit more erratic, especially if we get into a scenario a week or two from now in which you've got, say, like the Milwaukee Brewers who have shored up the NL Central. You've always got to have that fear that, Perhaps the Brewers wind up trying to preserve some of their star-sided pitchers for some innings, only let them go about two to three. And then you wind up getting a bunch of guys out of the bullpen that you've never heard of, even if you wind up taking like a first five.
2: Yeah, so look, basically when it comes to you know, mid-late September, the day before, there's a lot of pitcher vacancies, right? So what I mean by that is right now, at the time of recording this podcast, there are so many different games that have pitchers that have not been announced yet. You know, for me, I think that's the hardest thing is rotations are so much different than they are. Start the season. There's so many injuries, different players, different starting pitchers. You know that didn't work in starting the year and whatnot, or guys that are looking to get a job for the next year, getting starts. So there's just a lot of chaos when it comes to starting pitchers. And you know, for me, obviously, the big thing for me is finding different pitchers that are just not very good, trying to fade them with really good lineups. And so it could be a little bit more difficult trying to find different pitchers to fade when, like you said, they might just go three innings and leave after maybe allowing one or two runs and then you get that bullpen the bullpen performs because they're left-handed and you know your your analysis was against right-handed pitching so yeah a lot of different things that could go down you know later in the season but you know you take all that into account when you're betting and you make right decisions when the time comes
1: and I do think that it is a little bit more beneficial this time of year to wait on your bets a little bit as well because to your point sometimes a manager will reveal like in a pregame game presser or something like that hey this guy is not going to be going his normal amount of innings, something of that nature. And then, obviously, as well, when it comes to this time of year with September call-ups, these managers, especially the ones that are out of the postseason race or have already clinched a postseason, they are going to look to maybe get some of their more experienced guys some rests or younger guys a couple more reps. Because once a guy is in the game, like a center fielder is typically not going to be coming out after like one at bat or something like that. You don't see that very often, unless if. The guy is in like a chase for the batting title. They wind up getting ahead and they want to try to preserve that or something like that. That's when you get into some massive shenanigans of like the last game or two of the season. But I do think that there is something in waiting just to see how these lineups are going to be shaking out a little bit. Because I think that we're going to see some funky ones these last few
2: weeks. Yeah, I completely agree. I remember back in the day, like you were saying, Jose Reyes getting that batting title. I forget exactly what year it was. He got a hit in the final game and then left that game after getting that hit so he can get the batting title. So it does happen. It is real. It is something that happens in Major League Baseball. And you probably won't see me, you know, bet the final couple of days in the regular season of the MLB. I'll, you know, obviously, some, some plays that we can all kind of, you know, bet on. But you won't see me putting an official one-unit play on games later on in the season unless I just know for a fact that everything will kind of stay the same at the normal baseball game because there's so many shenanigans that can happen in a baseball game in the last week of the season so gotta be careful betting and of course now that football season's here and basketball season's coming around shortly we can be a lot more patient with baseball because we have other sports to bet on as well
1: and then once you get into the postseason obviously we're gonna see a whole heck of a lot of uncertainties for lack of a better term you're not gonna see the september call-up wind up the last second getting a start in center field unless if someone on a playoff team winds up like breaking their pancreas or something like that, and if someone breaks their pancreas, well, you probably have bigger issues on your hands, (laughs) as we do have Jason Radowitz joining me right here on the podcast, and we've got a little bit of a shorter slate for Thursday, but I do think that it is interesting what we've seen from the Colorado Rockies recently. Going into yesterday's tilt with the Atlanta Braves, team have been 16 and 17 in their last 33 road games. Not going to go out here and say that we should be throwing up their balloons and streamers or anything like that, but... Considering they were 6-33 and 33 on the road in their first 39 games, they've been playing a little bit better. You've got Herman Marquez in the mound on this one, and I do think that we've got to be gauging the Colorado Rockies on the road a little bit differently than we did at the beginning of the season. You have figured that they weren't going to be maintaining a sub-20 win percentage the entire year, but I take a look at the Rockies, and there's been quite a bit of value on them as an underdog. Ian Anderson's going to be going for the Atlanta Braves, and I think that this might be another case on Thursday, in which there might be some value on the Rockies.
2: Yeah, and you know, being a Mets fan, I am absolutely rooting for these Rockies to knock off the Braves every chance that they get. Now, of course, the Mets have not been great because every single time that the Braves end up losing, well, the Mets end up losing and finding a way to lose even when they're winning. So it's been a disaster for the Mets, but yeah, the Rockies have been way better on the road. Recently, they're hitting the ball, they're scoring runs, and they're pitching really not that bad. Marquez, their best pitcher, will take the mound in this game against the Braves here. 12-10 and 10 with a 3.93 ERA. So those are good stats, especially when you're pitching in Colorado half of the time. And then he'll go up against Ian Anderson, who supposed to be really good. He is a great pitcher. He showed that last year as well as this year. But he had some shaky starts in the second half of the season. I know he also came off the injured list, so there's room for the Rockies to do some damage. I like the Rockies as an underdog here.
1: Yep, but it certainly has been interesting to watch Rockies, and I'm sure that you are happy when they also want up taking down the Philadelphia Phillies over the weekend as well. So this is the Rockies team that they've been able to play some good baseball recently. Speaking of being able to play some good baseball, the Kansas City Royals entered into yesterday. Winners of four out of their last five, and they've got Daniel Lynch taking them out a guy in which has led the team to victory recently. The Royals are 7-2 and two in his last nine starts. Now, he has been a little bit touched up in his last two starts, giving up north of three runs in each of them. But you take a look at the other side of Paul Blackburn, and my goodness, ever since the beginning of the 2018 season, this guy has an ERA that hovers right around 7. No question has been a tad bit better this year. But I take a look at this spot, and I don't know what to make out of the Oakland A's at this point because they're right there in the postseason race, but... They have not been playing their best baseball recently. Over the last 30 days, their bullpen is the second worst in all of baseball. Plow Blackburn is certainly not a guy that I want to be hitching my wagon to, even against a team like the Kansas City Royals.
2: Yeah, and that's why this game probably has an overfield to it because at the end of the day, the Athletics will have probably eight righties in the lineup outside of Matt Olson who will be the lone lefty against Daniel Lynch who is a left-handed pitcher and has a 5.37 ERA on the season. So, yeah, this game probably goes over. And like you said, the Royals, they've been winning uh, with Daniel Lynch on the mound. So that probably means that Blackburn will get burned as well. He also has a 5.24 ERA on the season. It has not been great, like you mentioned earlier. So I think we're getting over in this game. I think the Athletics should be able to score some runs against Lynch as well.
1: What you're saying is that Paul Blackburn is going to get Blackburned. Ha, 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 ha. As we do, have Jason Reinawitz of SVREK Sportsbook Review joining me on the podcast. And what I think is a little bit tricky as well, we were talking about the Oakland A's just a second ago, how they've been declining when it comes to the postseason race. Just taking a look at the National League in general, I know that you mentioned that you're a New York Mets fan, and all of a sudden the New York Mets aren't necessarily out of it. The Philadelphia Phillies aren't necessarily out of it and that's because the San Diego Padres have just thrown their season right into the toilet bowl recently. Going into yesterday, 8-21 and in their last 29 games, and as of right now, they're going to be having a to-be-determined starter go up against Kevin Gosman on Thursday, and I take a look at this Padres team moving forward. They have been a very nice fade the last month, month and a half or so. I just don't th- see things turning around for this bunch. There, scoring the fewest runs per game of any National League team ever since the beginning of the month of August, and... I think that this is a team that is paying dearly for not letting their starters go longer earlier in the year.
2: Yeah, potentially that could be the case. And obviously their schedule is another reason why they've struggled because they're going to have to go up against really good teams all second half. It showed, and uh, it's not going to stop moving forward. So they're probably toast at this point. Their schedule looks really, really difficult. They're not playing their best baseball at all. Yeah, look, the Padres are probably going to be out. And that means that there's going to be one spot for the NL wild card. It could be the Mets. It could be the Phillies. It could be really anyone, you know, hovering around that 500 record. So there's going to be teams in the American League that are probably going to have, I don't know, maybe 15 more wins and losses, and they won't make the postseason. National League, one team that probably hovers around 500, they'll make the postseason. Very interesting how things work out in the NLB. And then, you know, of course, the Dodgers and the Giants are playing for the division. Whoever has less wins out of those two teams, they're going to have to play a wild card game, win or go home game. Both teams are probably going to be around 100 wins or close to it. So (laughs) that stinks if you're one of those teams that doesn't win the division and has to go out and play that wild card game. At least get home field field advantage. But still, it stinks when you're 100 wins and get one game to make the postseason longer.
1: Imagine being the L.A. Dodgers going into Wednesday, being 93-53 of and being two and a half games out of the division and having to play in a one-game wild card. I mean, my goodness. Because it's one of those things, too, in which we take a look at the Dodgers and so many people thought that they would run and hide with the NLS. And at this point, you really can't say that the Dodgers have underachieved. It's not their fault that they're not in the lead in the NLS. They've dealt with the Trevor Bauer situation. They've dealt with injuries to Clayton Kershaw who just wound up coming back recently. Mookie Betts has been on the injured list. And through all that, they're 93 and 53. They are well on their way to north of a hundred wins. Yet they're not winning the division just because the San Francisco Giants have been that good.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's the fun part of the MLB, but it's also the annoying part of the MLB if you're you know the losing side, I guess, of the division. But either way, both teams, they'll be in the postseason. The Giants already clinched and the Dodgers will clinch very shortly and then we'll see what happens there but if you're the Giants going up against any of those 500 win percentage teams you're gonna feel confident no matter what you know like let's say the Mets go and take that wild card spot and Jacob DeGrom comes back now he's a little bit less confident in that game so it stings it, it sucks and but that's the rules and we all signed on for it and uh we're gonna have to roll with it
1: and being betters that would be a whole lot of fun seeing the LA Dodgers go up against Jacob deGrom in a winner take all sort of scenario in that wild card that would be highly entertaining and Jason when you take a look at the betting board for Thursday is there anything that we have not talked about that you might be taking a look at because we do have a couple interesting games not necessarily a whole lot of marquee starters like I said little bit of a shorter board, but
2: anything that's really catching your eye? Nothing entirely. I guess Tyler Alexander going up against the Rays is pretty intriguing. The Rays have a fantastic offense, doing plenty of great things when it comes to batting against left-handed pitchers. That's something that I would look at. The Rays just went up against Robbie Ray. While they do strike out a lot in that game against lefties in the last 30 days, they have high power numbers. Really high weighted on base averages. You know they're hitting tunnel line drives, limiting the ground balls as well. So I'm um, probably going to be looking at that game and potentially going to bet on that one as well in that first five. We'll see what the line is. I'm assuming it'll be a 2.5, but it could be a three. You know we'll see. You know where that goes. But Alexander against the Rays offense could be intriguing for the Rays offense.
1: The Tampa Bay Rays actually scoring the most runs per game in the MLB. Have actually done a little bit of a better job on the road rather than at home, and Diedrich ends going for the Tampa Bay Rays. A guy that actually led the minor leagues in home runs surrendered a few years ago. That should be very intriguing, and a man that always brings intrigue because he always does a great job with his MLB picks, and so much more now that football season has started That'd be you, Jason. You do absolutely terrific work with a wide variety of platforms. I know that you just recently started with covers as well, doing a great job of holding it down there. So let the good people at home know what you've all got going on right now, and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms.
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny, on covers, one of their writers couldn't write an article uh, last Saturday. They needed someone to fill in and write an MLB article for their site. Do the assignment ended up writing that article, 2-0 on that. Now they're asking me to do more MLB content (laughs) for covers as well, on top of the college football content I'll be providing for covers on a weekly basis. And of course, still the MLB show going on on FBR from 2.30 to 3.30, Monday through Friday. Give out all my best bets, of course, analysis on all the MLB games. Like uh, you know, Greg talked about, I'm writing on betting pros. I'm writing on Odd checker. I'm writing on the game day, of course, covers and FBR. So you i find me on all those platforms, giving out a bunch of best bets articles and analysis there. Yeah, that's what I'm doing right now.
1: Jason does an absolutely terrific job with so many different sports, now doing all forms of football Aside from the Canadian Football League, if he does the <laughs> Canadian Football League, I'll be even more impressed, but he does all that. When it comes to the college basketball season, he's going to do a good job of be able to hold it down there. The list goes on and on. Guy writes for a diff- bunch of different places and does all of them all so well. And always is kind enough to join me on this podcast as well. So big thanks to Jason for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Thursday. And a little something like call, touch them all.
0: Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start, and now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion.
1: And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. Great to get Jason Radowitz on the podcast. Does a terrific job over there at Covers, SPREK, Sportsbook Review, The Game Day, MLB, and so many more always a pleasure to have him aboard and now it is that time of the podcast that I give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Thursday and a little something I like to call touch them all
0: if a game is listed on the betting board Greg has a side and a total on it so it is time to touch them all
1: do note that as per usual any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my twitter feed at gunit underscore 81 keep in mind that we are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation or this is where we go National League games first then the American League games If we would have interleague games, those would be at the bottom, but we do not, so that keeps things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. And we're going to be beginning with that first Ashley game. 901-902 on the betting board. The Colorado Rockies hit the road face off against the Atlanta Braves. Ian Anderson is going to be going for the Bravos. Udaman Martínez is going to be going for the Colorado Rockies. The Rockies are finding themselves as underdogs of anywhere between plus 155 and plus 162. If you're looking to lay it with the Bravos, anywhere between minus 169 and minus 180. 8.5 is your total. Unders anywhere between minus 110 and minus 125 over is between plus 105 and minus 110 and for Irma Marquez he's been able to put together a really nice year but has had opposite splits of his normal career. Going into this year he wound up having about a point lower ERA on the road compared to at home. This year he's been better at home with a 316 home ERA, 493 road ERA in 13 starts on the road. He's given up 11 home runs in 73 innings. Meanwhile 8 bombs given up in 94 innings at home and opponents starting a 202 off of him at course compared to a 269 on the road and then you enter Mr. Ian Anderson, who has been very comparable home-to-road. 358 home ERA, 364 road ERA, and ever since Ian Anderson has come off the injured list, it's been a little bit up and down for him. He has now made three starts so since coming off the injured list, wound up having five and two-thirds scoreless against the San Francisco Giants, but in his last two starts, one of which came against the Colorado Rockies, he combined six runs, it up in eight innings, but obviously Coors Field is a little bit of a different animal, but I was mentioning it with Jason. Going into yesterday, the Rockies had wound up going, in their last 33 road games, 16-17, and 17, so so, clearly the turnaround is happening. You've had quite a few guys like a Trevor Story. He's been hitting right around the Mendoza line on the road of 200. Has been able to pick it up. CJ Crone over the team's last two road trips now has seven home runs. So, that has been big. And then you've got an Atlanta Braves team that you've got a whole bunch of guys with at least 23 home runs right now. Ode has been able to give you 14 home runs ever since the beginning of the month of July. Ozzy Albies, Dancy Swanson. Both of these guys hitting between about a 252 and 260. Both of these guys have been able to supply the boom with 26 plus home runs. You've got Adam Duvall, who's now sitting there with about 35 home runs. Austin Riley, Freddie Freeman, both in between a 295 and a 300. Both of these guys have been supplying it with nearly 30 home runs apiece as well. Now for the Atlanta Braves, bullpen has been a little bit shaky, but Tyler Mazik has been able to give you some good innings out of the bullpen. I do like the way that you've had Jesse Chavez be able to perform for the team as well. Richard Rodriguez has helped out, and it does seem like the Rockies are starting to do a little bit better out of the bullpen. Robert Stevenson has been able to give this team some good innings. Now, you've got a guy like an Asher Gadu. He has an necessarily been terrific for this team, but Lucas Gilbreth recently has been able to pick it up a little bit, and I do think that Irma Marquez is going to be able to lend a lot of length. Even when he winds up getting crushed a little bit, he does a good job of being able to extend himself in games because he doesn't necessarily walk a whole bunch of guys. His walks per nine rate hovering right around about a 2.8-ish so far this year. Meanwhile, Ian Anderson, that's closer to a 4, so I do take a look at this spot. I was willing to take anything above about a plus 145 with the Rockies, so we're going to be taking the shot there. Also set this all at 8.4, so going under along with the Rockies. 903, 904 on the betting board. This is going to be the first of three straight games are off the board as we are on to Cincinnati as the Reds hit the Red face off against the Pittsburgh Pirates. To be determined for the Buckos. Meanwhile, Tyler Molly is going to be on the bump for the Reds. I can tell you right now, I'm going to be saying the Reds as a pretty sizable favorite. Only question is how big of a favorite because with Tyler Molly, he has been very good on the road. Hasn't been so good at home. 609 home ERA, buck 97 road ERA, and 16 road starts. Five home runs given up in 91 and a third innings. 18 and 68 innings at home. It's a very stark comparison. And then you take a look at this Reds lineup and certainly you've had a bunch of has been struggling a little bit, but you still do have a pair of guys in Nick Cassianos along Joey Votto. Both of these guys have been able to give you 25 plus home runs so far this year. Cassianos, 29 of them. Joey Votto, 30 of them. And for Votto, I believe he's leading the National League in home runs ever since the All-Star break. You've got a guy in Jonathan Inyo at the leadoff spot. Has 20 home runs and a 380 on base. Mike Mousakis is off the injured list. Hasn't done a lot this year, but the catcher spot with Tyler Stevenson, Tucker-Barner, both of these guys are in above a 265. You do need to get Taylor Naquin went back in the fold. He was able to have a very hot month of August for this team, and then this Pittsburgh Pirates bunch got a couple guys getting on base for you. Calm Moran is able to give you right around a 280 batting average, Wilmer default just below that, but then you've got Michael Perez, Hoy Park, Tom, a lot of guys that are hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch. Cabrian Aisle Ben Gamble. These guys are in about a, a 245 to a 260. and Yoshi Satsugo. Ever since he wound up coming up. Over to Pittsburgh has actually been able to do a very solid job. All seven of his home runs have come in his twenty-five to twenty-six games with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Has been hitting just below a 3 so that's relatively solid. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, bullpen has been really good, but it's starting to get a little bit weathered as David Bernard along Kyle Crick are not going to be available for this team. You've got Jason Shreve, Chris Ryan; these guys have been relatively solid, but then you've got guys like Shelby Miller, Nick Mears, and company. And for the Reds, it's not like the bullpen is great, but Luis Sessa is able to give you a little bit of something along with Michael Gibbons. So I do take a look at this spot with the Reds and I'm going to be setting them as a sizable favorite because with the Pittsburgh Pirates you got to feel like it's probably going to be someone like a Cody Ponce who's not very good at all. This is probably a spot where I'm going to be setting the Reds as right around like a minus 175 to minus 180 favorite despite the fact that they haven't necessarily had the best results in this series and this is probably going to be a situation in which in 8.5 or lower I'm going to be taking a look at the over a 9 or 100 higher going to be taking a look at the under. Could be subject to change a little bit though based on who the Pirates wind up starting though. So check back at the party on my Twitter feed at you and score one once we get a little bit of clarity there. 9-5, 9-6 on the banking board. The San Diego Padres at the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. Kevin Gosman goes for the Giants. To be determined is going to be on the bump for the Padres, so we've got no numbers up on this game and for the Padres, got to figure that they're probably going to be doing something similar to what they wound up doing a few weeks ago in which they wound up having Craig Salmon start, give you a couple innings. This could be a spot as well in which you wind up using Ryan Weathers. I know that he's been coming out of the bullpen recently for this bunch, so maybe you wind up having Weather, stamina, and then like Ross Stetweiler and just a de jour of different pitchers come in, including someone like a Sean Anderson, who has been absolutely terrible all season long. And what is really interesting is, if they do wind up throwing out their Sean Anderson, in every single one of the games in which he has pitched in, and I believe that this is with three different teams, every one of them has been a loss. He has won 0-4 with the Minnesota Twins, 0-7 with the Baltimore Orioles, and 0-4 with the San Diego Padres. I find that to be very hilarious. And for Kevin Gosman, it hasn't necessarily been smooth sailing for him ever since the all-star break, hovering right around a four with his ERA, but he's been able to lock it in a little bit more. He has been able to do a better job of be able to limit the hard contact as he's still given up three earned runs or fewer in now each out of his last 10 starts. So he hasn't been as effective as he was at the beginning of the year, but certainly far from getting shelled. And with the San Francisco Giants, got to feel like they are going to be able to shell the San Diego Padres as you just take a look at all the matchers on this team. Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, Lamonte Wade, Chris. Chris Bryant you're able to throw in there. Buster Posey, Lamonte, Wade, Darren Ruff. List goes on and on, of guys. With 15 plus home runs, Evan lagoria is back in the fold. He's giving you a home run every about 15 or so at-bats. He's hitting at 295. Tommy LaSalle has been able to do a good job since coming off the injured list. And then for the Padres, this team entering into yesterday, fewest runs per game of any team in the National League ever since the beginning of the month of August. Meaning Machado sitting at 275. Eric Cosmer sitting at 270. And for Machado, 24 home runs. And Fernando Tati Jr., 38 home runs. But got a lot of guys there struggling. Adam Frazier ever since coming over from the Pittsburgh Pirates. is hitting right around 235. Jerickson profile. He's got a good on base, but he's hitting right around 235 along Trent Grisham. So, that's been a little bit of an issue. You've got a Tax Padres bullpen, a giant team that they do wind up having to use a bullpen game yesterday, but all these guys like a Jarlon Garcia. they starter from yesterday. Dominic Leon, These guys have been absolutely tremendous for the team. Jake McGee has had his trials and tribulations, but still, Tony Watson ever since coming over from the Angels has been very good. So, I take a look at this spot, and if it is what I expect, you wind up having like Ryan whether it's Craig and someone like that get the start. Probably going to be setting the Giants is right around about a minus 155-ish favorite, and this would be a spot in which an 8 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 8.5 or higher, I'd be taking a look at the under, but obviously subject to a little bit of change since we need to know what the Padres are going to be doing with their pitching rotation. 907, 908 on the banking board. The Philadelphia Phillies are going to be playing those the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks is going to be going for the Cubs. To be determined is going to be going for the Philadelphia Phillies, so we complete our sweep of to be determined German starters here, and for the Philadelphia Phillies, they have been using the bullpen game in these spots. Gotta feel like it's probably gonna be someone like a Connor Brogdon and Archie Bradley, someone like that getting a start for like two innings, and then from there, you just wind up using a host of different guys, and you're probably not gonna necessarily have that set bulk guy. Meanwhile, you do take a look at Kyle Hendricks, and he's 14 and 6 on a Cubs team that has absolutely stunk, and typically with Kyle Hendricks, he's been amazing at home, amazingly bad on the road, and has been the opposite this year. A 528 homie and a three. 73 roadier right? has been getting touched up on the road. With 12 home runs, give it up in 79 and two thirds innings, but 17 and 87 innings at home and opponents starting a 264 off of them on the road. Meanwhile, a 291 off of them at home, which I find to be a little bit startling You take a look at Hendricks recently and he has been getting shelled. He has given up at least four runs and now four out of his last six starts. So things have really been regressing there. And you take a look at this Philadelphia Phillies lineup and you've got Bryce Harper. Who I believe now has 14 home runs over since the beginning of the start of August. This guy has been a man possessed recently, We've got Gene Segura hitting at 300 for this punch. Got a couple guys that they do need to pick it up with the batting average. D.D. Gregorius, Andrew McCutcheon. Both of these guys are hitting right around at 220. Brad Miller's more around at 230. But with McCutcheon, a 333 on base and 24 home runs. Reese Hoskins still have the fold. He's going to be for the rest of the year. But Odoo Barrera is hitting at 260. Then you take a look at the Cubs. And Frank Swindell has been absolutely amazing for this team. Eight home runs in the last two and a half weeks. So he has been able to supply the boom there. Ian Appa, double-digit amount of farmers ever since the beginning of the month of August. Matt Duffy's hitting at 260 for this bunch. You've even been able to get a little bit of something out of Alfonso Rivas who's hitting about at 290, but then you've got David Bode, Sergio Alcantara, both of the Romites, Jason Hayward, all these guys hitting at 225 or lower and for the Cubs. Their bullpen is, needless to say, not great. You haven't been able to get anything whatsoever out of someone like Emmanuel Rodriguez. Michael Rucker has been getting absolutely destroyed, so you're able to go up and down the list, and these guys have not necessarily been so good. So even though it is a Phillies bullpen game, and Phillies bullpen games are not necessarily the things that you want to be placing a whole bunch of money on. With that said, I'd be probably looking at the Phillies being right around about a minus 150 or so favorite. I do think that Hendricks is going to be able to give you an okay start, but certainly don't want to be hitching a whole lot to the Cubs. But with that said, when it comes to this total, I probably would be looking at a nine or lower to the over and a nine and a half or higher to the under. I do think that we're going to see quite a bit of hard contact in this one. Certainly don't want to place too much on the Cubs, but ever since the beginning of the month of September, they do have a winning record. I believe that they had entered into yesterday, winning eight out of their line. Twelve, so certainly something of note there. Nine nine, nine ten on the betting board is my New York Post play today. The, the Kansas City Royals gonna be playing us the Oakland A's? Paul Blackburn is going to be going for the A's. Hopefully he's going to get Blackburned by the Kansas City Royals as Daniel Lynch is going to be taking the bump for them. Dolan's game is 9. Over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. And the under is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the A's, going to be getting them anywhere between minus 119 and minus 125. And for the Royals, going to be getting them anywhere between plus 105 and plus 112. And the New York Post play today is going to be the Kansas City Royals. I wound up setting them a favorite in this spot. And the reason why is because because Daniel Lynch has been able to do a very solid job for this team. The team is 7-2 and in his last nine starts. In that time span, he's got a 3.64 ERA. Now, I do recognize the fact that he has been getting hit around a little bit more recently, but has been able to do a much better job ever since. He wound up having like a 15 ERA in his first three starts of the campaign, so that was a little bit brutal. And you take a look at Paul Blackburn, ever since the beginning of the 2018 season, he's made something like 15 pitching appearances with the Oakland A's, and he's got an ERA that's hovering right around 8 in that time span guy that does not necessarily do the best job of being able to keep the ball in the yard. He's given up four bombs in 22 and a third inning so far this season. With Lynch, he had given up the deep ball a little bit, giving up four home runs in his last two stars. But prior to that, I've been able to do a good job of be able to control that hard contact as well. With Lynch, he's going to give you right around 7.5 strikeouts per nine innings. But you also take a look at this Oakland A's bullpen going into yesterday in the last three days, a 5.55 ERA. Only bullpen with a worse ERA in that time span. That'd be the Baltimore Orioles and the Kansas City Royals ever since the All-Star break. 5th best bullpen ERA out there in the big leagues. Guys like Domingo Tapia, Josh Seymour, Jake Brent, Scott Barlow. These guys have been very solid. And then you've got a guy in Salvador Perez who's got north of 40 home runs. He's going for that home run batting title. You've got he, Andrew Benetendi, with Merrifield, lying between about a 270 to a 285. You've got Niki Lopez hitting a 300 for the team. seam. Ed Alberto Mondesi sitting north of a 260 along with Answer Alberto. So you've got some good guys in line, lineup. Meanwhile, for the Oakland A's, got quite a few guys getting on base. All these guys have at least a 350 on base in metal. Olsen, Sterling Marte of the Marte Parte Marcana. You've also got Tony Kemp and Josh Harrison in the fold. And I will say for Marte, he is currently leading the big leagues when it comes to stolen bases. actually got caught stealing yesterday. That's a little bit of a surprise, but Matt Olsen, he has been able to supply the boom, 34 home runs, but having Matt Chapman out of the fold really does hurt because he had a double digit amount of homers ever since the beginning of the month of August. He was having himself right around at 350-ish on base in that time span as well. Jan Gomes has been able to give you a little bit of something as well, but that certainly is going to hurt the scene, man, with guys like Lou Trevino even Sergio Romo winding up not necessarily looking so great in the bullpen. I did wind up saying the Kansas City Royals as a little bit of a favorite in this spot. Also did wind up making this total 9.1 because I do think that Lynch is going to give up a couple runs, but at the same time, I think that this is going to come down to a one-run game in which the Royals are going to be able to crank out with their bullpen. So going to be taking this total under and the New York Post lay of the day is the Royals. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox are going to be playing OCLA the LA Angels. For the Angels, the betting board says to be determined. ESPN says Alex Cobb. So I'm going to be handicapping this as if we get Mr. Cobb and Rinaldo Lopez is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. Currently I have no numbers up on this game, but at the book of Greg Peterson, a.k.a. my handicap lines, in Lopez versus Cobb, we've got the White Sox as a minus 183 favorite, minus 110 on the run line, with a total of 9.2. So a 9 or lower, I'd be taking a look at the over 9.5 or higher. I will be taking a look at the under with Rinaldo Lopez. It certainly has been a case in which he hasn't necessarily given a lot of length, but he's been relatively effective in small doses. Six stars 16 total appearances. Has not went north of 5 innings pretty much all year, but has given up 3 earned runs or fewer in all but 2 of his starts, and has not given up more than 3 earned runs in any of them so far this year. Has been able to do a good job of being able to keep down the walks. 1.2 walks per 9 innings. He's given up right around 0.9 home runs per 9. His strikeouts per 9 rate is right around an 8, so he's been relatively solid, and he's facing off against a guy in Alex Cobb that was very effective towards when he wound up going on the injured list. He had allowed a combined 3 earned runs in his last 4 starts, but with that said, this is going to be the first time that he's going to be out there on the mount since July 23rd, so that, no question, is a little bit of an issue, and if you take a look at Alex Cobb, he's been much worse on the road than he has been at home. 230 Yomiuri, 571 road ERA has only given up one home run on the road so far this year and overall, three home runs surrendered over the course of 77 and two-thirds innings. If you take a look at Fielding Independent, he has been arguably one of the most unlucky pitchers that we have seen in Major League Baseball this decade, but you take a look at the Angels as well, and this is a bunch that they're just not generating a lot of offense right now. Shohei Otani ever since July 28th, hitting right around the middle of the line of 200. Got a trio of guys hitting between about a 272-280. David Fletcher, Phil Gosselin, Jared Walsh, but for Walsh, he's got really five home runs ever since since the All-Star break. David Fletcher has been hitting right around 240 ever since the beginning of the month of August. you got guys like Kurt Suzuki, Jack Mayfield, Luis Renanifo. These guys are hitting a 220 or lower and for the Chicago White Sox. Tim Anderson is back at full one making an appearance a couple days ago. He and Luis Robert are hitting above a 300. You've got a lot of guys hitting between, I would say, about a 255 to a 265. Yoramon Cara, Jose Abreu, Eloy Jimenez, Lori Garcia, and for Abreu, he currently leads the league in terms of RBI at the very least. Did at the beginning of the week. Now he's second. He wound up getting passed up, but still, he wound up having 10 home runs in the month of August as well. He has been able to do a tremendous job for this team. You have guys like Brian Goodwin, Cesar Hernandez, sitting between about a 232 and 240 that are able to provide some pop as well. Then we take a look at the bullpen. For the Angels, it's been a little bit better recently. You've been able to get some good innings of Steve Seascheck, Andrew Wants, You probably want a little bit more out of him, but he's been able to give you a little bit of something. Rossi Iglesias has been good as a closer, but you've got Liam Hendricks along Craig Kimbrell for this White Sox team, and then outside that, Jose Ruiz, Ryan Tapera. these guys have been able to do a very solid job. Michael Kopech is someone that has been shaking a little bit recently. I know that he's been dealing with some injuries as well, but I do take a look at this spot. I do think that with Cobb just coming off the injured list, he probably isn't going to be pushed too far. And- that's going to lead to the Angels having to go into long relief, and their long relief is not good with guys like Junior Guerra and company. So looking at the White Sox on the money line, more around a minus 183, minus 110 on the run line, and a 9 or lower going to be taking a look at the over 9.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under. 913, 914 on the bank board. the New York Yankees are going to be hitting the road face off against the Baltimore Orioles. Chris Ellis is going to be going for the Royals. Jordan Montgomery is going to be on the bump for the New York Yankees. The Yankees are finding themselves as sizable favorites. And we're between minus 230 and minus 240. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Royals, it's anywhere between plus 195 and a plus 213. With 10 being your total. With the over and under on 10, it is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And for Ellis, he's actually been surprisingly good for the Baltimore Orioles in that... The team doesn't wind up losing every one of his starts. So you got that. We're going to get into him in a second. But you take a look at Jordan Montgomery, and at the beginning of the year, he had some big, giant home and road discrepancies. But those have actually been reined in a little bit more. You take a look at what Jordan Montgomery has been able to do away from Yankee Stadium. So a 4070 compared to a 325 at home, but certainly not anything too bad. as given on a nine home runs over the course of 77 at a third innings on the road, and opponents are at a 253 off of him. But he's been able to do a relatively solid job. Then you take a look at Chris Ellis, and the team is 3-1 and one when he's taking the mound so far this year. So, you got a little bit of something going on there. He's given up a combined five runs over the course of his four starts. Has given up two home runs overall this year in the course of 21 and two-thirds innings. So, he has actually been able to do a very good job. Problem is, he's backed up by a bullpen that just absolutely stinks. Cole Solzer has been able to give you a little bit of something. Tanner Scott has control issues, but he's been okay. Even a guy like Tyler Wells, he's able to be okay for you. But then you just take a look at some of these guys like Fernando Abad, Connor Green and company, and it's not good news. Meanwhile, with the Yankees, you've got a trio of guys that have given you at least 28 home runs. John Carlos Sin, Aaron Judge, along Joy Gallo. Now, with Mr. Gallo, along Gary Sanchez, Kyle Gashioka, Brett Garter, Ruud Adodara, got a lot of guys in a 225 or lower, but you've got DJ Turner, up LeMayu, along Gio Urshela, both in between about a 260 to a 270, Gleyber Torres. He wound up having a home run a little bit earlier, which is a good sign because he has been off with that. Only about seven home runs so far this year, but he and Anthony Rizzo both hitting about a 250. And for the Orioles, you do have a couple guys that are doing a good job of being able to reach base for you. Cedric Mullins, along with Ryan Mountcastle, both have been able to give you at least 27 home runs for Cedric Mullins. He's hitting right around 300. When you take a look at Mount Castle, Trey Boom Mancini, Austin the say his Kid, Anthony Santander, Ore Mateo, all these guys are in between about a 245 to a 262. Ramon Urias is hitting about a 275. But then you've got Ryan McKenna, Calvin Gutierrez, CJ Turnitup, Stewart, Austin wins, Pat Faleka. This goes on and on of guys in a 2.15 or lower. So that is an issue. What else is an issue is the fact that Yankees have been dealing without having Jonathan Luizaga in the bullpen. And Rolto Chapman has been very shaky ever since the middle of June. It's got an ERA hovering right around 7. But you have been able to get some good performance out of Michael King in long relief, Lucas Lutke, along Julie Rodriguez. These guys have been able to come along for the ride. It all becomes a question of run line or not. You're seeing them right around a minus 160 on the run line. And that is just a very hefty price. With the Orioles, I was willing to take them on the run line as long as I was able to get at least a plus 140. And I think that I'm going to settle there. I needed at least a 220 to be able to take a shot here on the Baltimore Orioles. So I'm going to do something rare, and I'm going to be taking that run and F. I I just don't feel good about playing a run and a half with the Yankees at minus 160 in this spot, especially with the way that Ellis is rolling. So, gonna wind up taking that Baltimore plus one and a half run line and I'm going to be taking this total under as well as I wind up setting this total more around a 9.7 with the way that Ellis has been pitching recently. 915, 916 on the main board. The Tampa Bay Rays gonna be playing those to Detroit Tigers as you've got Tyler Alexander going for the Tigres. Meanwhile, Diedrich Ends is gonna be going for the Rays and the Rays sizable favorites anywhere between minus $2 and minus 220. Meanwhile, plus Price with the Tigers is anywhere between plus 180 and plus 188. 9 is your total. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. And the over is anywhere between even and minus 110. And you've got a predicament here of do you wind up trusting in the team itself or do you wind up fading the pitcher because with Dietrich ends, well, to say that his career has not went well would be very generous. He is the age of 30 years old and his career in the majors. Well, he's made I believe one career start before this Has a career 405 ERA just hasn't thrown a lot for the Tampa Bay Rays in general. He's made six appearances as right around a 4-ish ERA, but if you go back to when he was in the minor leagues, I believe during the 2018 season, he wound up leading the minor leagues in home runs surrendered. That was actually the 2019 season in which he gave up 37 bobs and 137 innings. Now, that's a juice ball PCL league, but he certainly has had a lack of success. Meanwhile, you you take a look at Tyler Anderson, and he's actually been halfway decent for the Detroit Tigers. Hasn't seen a lot of work recently, but has given up himself right around 1.5 home runs per nine innings so far this season. His last real start wound up coming last Friday against the Tampa Bay Rays, and in that one, he gave up one run over the course of four and a third innings. They've been sort of alternating him with starts along relief appearances, which has been a little bit wonky with him, but he's been able to hold up at the point of attack, and if you take a look at how he's done on the road, actually better than at home. 392 road ERA compared to a 428 homey area has given up nine home runs in 43 and two-thirds innings on the road, but he is also backed up by a Tigers team that they've actually played some respectable baseball recently. Take a look at Jonathan Scope. He's got like four home runs over the last 60 days for the team, but he's still hitting right around 280 for this bunch. You've got Jameer Candelario with a 350 on base. Harold Castro is hitting about a 280 along Dustin Garneau. Hill, and Akil Badu are hitting between a 255 and a 261 respectively, and Robbie Grossman along cost Both have been able to give you 20-plus home runs, and then you take a look at the bullpen of the Detroit Tigers, and it's in the top down with regards to ERA ever since the All-Star break. Kyle Funkhauser has been able to bring the Funk for this team. AFC Chiaro. That's had a rough week, but you even take a look at a guy like an Ian Krull. He has seen a little bit of regression recently, but he's been able to give this team some innings along Drew Carlton and Gregory Soto. Now with the Tampa Bay race, obviously this bullpen is absolutely magnificent. You've got Nick Anderson now off the injured list, JT Chargois. Ever since coming over to this team, he's got right around a 2-ish ERA. You do have a race team that they did wind up having to use up Nick Anderson yesterday, so he's not going to be available in on this one, but you also take a look at this lineup and you've got a lot of guys that able will give you 24-plus home runs for this team in Mike Zanino along with Brandon Lau Nelson Cruz and Austin Meadows, and you've got a lot of guys on this team that they have a batting average like at 240 with Brandon Lau, 238 batting average, but 337 on base. Jordan Luplo hitting at just a buck 96, but a 325 on base. Mike Zanito hitting at 203, 291 on base. These guys just do a great job with that regard. And then you've got Nelson Cruz, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. Joey Wendell, Randy Orozarena hitting all between a 270 and a 275. They are going to be without Wander Franco, who's currently on the injured list. But you also have fresh off the injured list when it comes to a bullpen chief. Fire Eyes along with Pete Fairbanks as well. So it's an interesting spot because I actually do like Alexander as a starting pitcher and I have a tough time trusting him. Mr. Ends, I was willing to take the Tigers as long as I was getting north of a plus 180 and we have gotten there in this spot, so I'm actually going to fade the Tampa Bay Rays, something I haven't done a lot of recently, and take that plus price. Also did wind up saying this all at 9.1, so going over along with the Detroit Tigers, and we wrap things up with 917, 918 on the bagging board. We have the Texas Rangers, and they're going to be playing those CUS Astros. Frambois Valdez is going to be going for the throws, and Glenn Otto is going to be on the bump for the Rangers. Toronto's game is is nine. Unders minus 115 and the overs minus 105. With the Rangers, it's anywhere between plus 190 and plus $2. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Astros, it is anywhere between minus 220 and minus 240. And for Framber Valdez, he has been able to do a relatively solid job of being able to not give up a lot of hard contact when it comes to Houston Astros so far this year. You take a look at him, he's given up right around .75 home runs per nine innings. He has been able to do a solid job on the road as well. A little bit worse when it comes to the ERA, 339 road ERA compared to a 312, but those are relative so splits. He's given up 5 more runs of 58 and third innings on the road with opponents sitting at two twenty-nine off of them. Then you take a look at Glenn Otto. He wound up having two very good starts to his career. A combined nine and two-thirds innings against the Angels and the Astros. Team wound up losing both of them by one run, but wound up giving up a combined two runs of both of them. And then he wound up going up against the Oakland A's in his last third and got destroyed, giving up eight runs. So that was a little bit of a what you might do, but you take a look at this Texas Rangers bunch and you do have a bullpen that is starting to improve. Spencer Patton has been able to give you a little bit of something Brett Martin is someone I like coming out of the bullpen. Joe Barlow has a sub-2 ERA, and this is a Rangers lineup that they've been playing quite a few overs recently because you've got TJ turning up Peters. He's given the team nine home runs over the last three days. Adolis Garcia has been able to give this team 30 bombs overall for the year. He, Willie Calhoun, Nate Lowe, along with Yoni Hernandez, lying between about a 248 to a 262. Now, you've got Mr. Peters, Jonah Heim. You're able to throw in their Brock Holt. Leody Tavares. Lots of guys hitting a 220 or lower for this bunch, but even someone like an Isaiah Canar falefa is hitting a 265 for this team, and you all oppose been right around 300. Then you take a look at the Houston Astros, and you've got just a whole bunch of firepower for this team, as in a game of which Michael Brantley wound up missing yesterday, you still had six guys in the line hitting north of a 270, and you've got Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, all guys that we will give you at least 22 home runs so far this year. Carlos Correa was out of the fold yesterday as well, so that tells you just how much you've got over there, and then you just take a look at this Astros bullpen, and you might be able to get some good performances out of guys like Aimi Garcia. You wind up bringing in Kendall Grayman as well. He's been able to do a good job for the team. Ryan Presley has a sub-2 ERA for the year. Blake Taylor has been able to round into form a little bit. Overall for the year, a 3.23 ERA, but if you take a look over the last three days, he's been able to drop that to a sub-3 and a sub-2 here in the month of September, so I do take a look at this spot, and I do think that the Astros should be a relatively sizable favorite. It's all about how much do you wind up trusting in Glenn Otto to be able to bounce back from that really bad start that he wound up having to begin his career with the Rangers. I needed $2 to be able to take a shot on them. We have gotten that $2, so I am going to be willing to take a shot on them. I do think that we're going to see a little bit of a bounce back, which is why I wound up setting the solo at eighty point eight. So, going to be going under along with the Rangers, and that'll wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast. On this Thursday, big thanks to Jason Radowitz of SPR, a.k. Sportsbook Review, and Covers for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you hear podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, one of two ways we We'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GUnit underscore e one Keep a mind, letters, yam. Yeah. I mean, Naming does not matter. So, as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. It's gonna be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season and Tomorrow, I'm going to be flying out to Minnesota. So we're going to be in our third different state in eight days on this podcast. So be on the lookout for that and be on the lookout for our fresh podcast tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.